Your experience at Joy Church will be unlike any church service you have ever attended before. We are not about religion. We are about a relationship with God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. At Joy Church, you'll hear live and vibrant praise and worship music. You will be loved and encouraged. You will be confident that your children will learn about Jesus in a fun and safe environment. You'll be assured that your youth will be loved and accepted not only for who they are, but challenged to become who they were created to be. At Joy Church, God's Word is delivered through creative, humorous, and relative teaching that will help you apply the Bible to your life. There is a place here at Joy Church just for you, where you can begin to develop a vibrant and exciting relationship with Jesus Christ and discover your divine destiny. Get ready for a life-changing message from Pastor Jim as he is teaching besties or frenemies because association gives you motivation for your destination. If you are ever in our area, we would love to invite you out to our regularly scheduled services. Come on out, be our special guest. Please check out our church website at www.joychurch.net for service times and events. I'm not against any technology. I thank God for every bit of it. We use every bit of it here at Joy Church. However, please never forget the concept of people. How many remember people? How many are sitting next to one right now? How many wish they would have brushed their teeth? Dear me. I'm going to tell you right now, I heard of a story uh, a, a week, a Wednesday ago. This amazed me. One of these internet churches, and we're on the internet. We, we, we're going to video cast. Uh, we have uh, 28 different countries that listen to us. But we actually believe in coming together where there are people. This church is solely an internet church, and, and I want you to know no matter how technology advances, God is always going to believe in people because he died for them. And he's going to want us to come and interact. And I was hearing about the church, and, and they're doing their thing online, and, and, and they gave an appeal for anybody that wanted to receive Jesus, and a number did, about 18, which that's great. And then they said, okay, now we're going to tell you through the Internet, all you have to do is keep clicking on these various links and clicks how to be water baptized. And so what they did was they encouraged everybody that just gave their life to the Lord to be self-baptized. They literally gave them the instruction on how to go into their bath tub and baptize themselves over the Internet. I mean, no, ladies and gentlemen, I don't call that water baptism. I call that a bath. <laughs> I take one every Friday, whether I need it or not. I know about when I see one. I took one Friday because my wife was coming home. It's a holy, holy crowd today. Self-baptism, man, I never heard of such a thing. Only the Internet can self-baptize you. God still believes in the concept of people. How, how, how many millennials, you're, you're a teenager or you're in your 20s, you're here today. You're, you're okay, I got, I got some liars I can tell by the hands, right? <laughs> a whole bunch of people older than that going. We have a lot of young people that come to this church, and I want you to know, thank God for all that you know technologically. My, my son, he's 13. Uh, whenever we have any trouble with anything te technological, I always say, John, get in here. <laughs> Fix this thing for my VCR is still blinking 12. 
We actually still do have VCRs. We really do. We're one of the few families that do that. And in our upstairs TV, we still have bunny ears. <laughs> I know. Someone talked to the compensation committee. <laughs> I ain't just throwing it out there. And so uh, we, we, I get it. I'm not taking advance at all. My son is. Thank God for your generation. I appreciate it very much. But listen, we still know a thing or two about relationships, young people. <laughs> now, that's where you should have been excited. Because I see uh, we have a lot of old people in the house. You should be excited. We should, how many know a thing or two about relationships? We, I have an advantage over you millennials. I know that you're looking at me. You're saying, you know, you're, just, you're 39. There's not a chance that you could know what I'm going through. And I realize I'm, you know, 10, 15 years older than you. I realize that. But still, I have an advantage over you. And can I tell you what that advantage is? I once was you. And now I'm not. I was your age at one time, and I remember when the dinosaurs would roam the earth. I remember when I was your age, and I was your age once, and I get it, but now I'm not. And we do have some wisdom in relationships. Your mom and dad still may know a few things about relationships. Check it out. Honey. I'm really not sure about this guy. What's wrong with him? Uh, first of all, his name? I think it's a strong name. Crowbar? I'm pretty sure it's a family name. <sighs> I don't know, he just doesn't seem very... friendly. <laughs> Mom, if he wasn't so friendly, why would he be doing 500 hours of community service? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, come on. 500 hours of community service. That's just good, solid humor. <laughs> By the way, I like the sound today. It sounds really good. Can you encourage the sound? I like it. So we still may know a few things about relationships. You remember the second life point that we've been sharing with you over the last number of weekends? You remember this one too? Your, if your relationships are dysfunctional, your life will be too. So let's talk about it, guys. Let's look at our key verse one more time, Proverbs 13 and verse 20. We've got to have our relationships in alignment. Everybody say alignment. That's a big word. When they are in alignment, then you'll find that your life will be as well. Proverbs 13 and verse 20. Love this verse. He that walks with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Everybody say a companion of fools. Normally, we quote this something like, okay, if you hang around wise people, you'll be wise. And if you hang around fools, you'll be foolish. But that's not what it says. The first part you got right, wisdom will rub off on you. Wisdom is contagious. But the second part you totally misquoted. Because notice it is the companion of fools that doesn't get foolish. They get destroyed. And notice, it's not the fool that gets destroyed. It is the companion of the fool that gets destroyed. I believe with all of my heart that the devil wants the fool alive to continue to destroy more and more and more companions. 
So let's talk about it. Over the last number of weekends, we've been talking to you about 16 righteous realms of relationship. Uh, we've got through six, I believe, already. We'll review very quickly and jump into new territory. Is anybody ready for some wisdom? 31 years of ministry, 25 years of being married to the same wonderful gal. I'm a boss. I have been an employee. I'm a friend. I don't have relationships down perfectly, but I have a lot of wisdom about relationships that will help you begin to get an appropriate alignment in the things of God. Let's review. Let's jump into it. Number one, some relationships need to be initiated, some cultivated, and some eliminated. Remember the life point that we shared with you last couple of weekends, determining which relationships should be initiated, cultivated, or eliminated will determine just how far that you are elevated. How many know some relationships in our life need to be eliminated? How many know no matter who it puts you with or who it takes you from, you've got to go on with God? Second righteous realm of relationship that you need to know, association really does give you motivation for your destination. And we took a look at King David, and we found in his life, Psalms 119 and verse 63, David talked all about his inner circle, his companions that were close to him, that had a reverence for God and kept the word of God. We found out two association aspects. Number one, show me your three closest friends, and I will show you you. Show me your three closest friends and I will show you your future. Association is huge. Third thing that you need to know is, check it out, any God-given relationship will cost you short-term but reward you long-term. And we share with you the words of the Lord Jesus Christ and, and we really encapsulated it down into one major life point. Check it out. Cease to focus on the reward and you will cease to pay the cost. I'm going to tell you right now, uh, uh, pastoring what's known as a mega church, you know, where there's over 2,000 folks, it has its chores, it has its difficulties, but I want you to know, man, does it have its blessings. Knowing who I am surrounded with, my staff and, and some of the key leaders in this church, they're some of the most wonderful people in the world. We've got some of the finest people in the Nashville area that go to this church. Come on, I'm talking about you. I focus on not the cost but on the reward, and that's why it's easy for me to pay the cost. Let's continue on. Number four, check it out in life. There's always going to be givers and takers. What say we be a giver? One of my pet peeves in life are takers. Can't stand it. As believers, we ought to be givers. Remember we gave you last weekend two giver guarantees. Check it out. Number one, a sign of maturity is when you make the transition from the object of ministry to the object to ministry. How many know if we're going to be a healthy believer in life at some point in our life, I've got to make that transition. I can't just come to church and say, all right, pastor, sing to me, preach to me, hug on me, smile at me. At some point, you've got to do the singing, not everybody. <laughs> at some point, you've got to do the smiling, you've got to do the loving, you've got to do the encouraging. Amen. I'm one man. I can go around and greet a lot of folks, but how many know you ought to be doing a whole lot of greeting yourself? How many of us say, I'm a member here? It has privileges. Yeah, it does. You get to take the worst parking space in the parking lot so our guests can have the best ones because we're Christians and we're givers. Thank you for that golf course 
hand clap. You ever watch a golf tournament on television? Huh? Man, on Sunday, that's a way to get a nap. And then you just say, okay, Tiger Woods is on the 17th hole. He's about to make the putt. Tiger makes the putt. And there he makes the head foot putt. And you hear the crowd. And that's you. How many believe that that hand clap was par for the course? Ooh, another golf clap. Thank you. Second thing you need to know, check it out. Number two, what, what you make happen for others. Follow with me now, Wayne. God will make happen for you. Don't be afraid to be a giver. Whatever you do for another, God's going to make happen for you. You, you say, well, I, I need love. Give it away. I need encouragement. Give it away. I need favor. Give it away. I need a job. Give yours. No, don't give yours away. <laughs> but be a giver, ladies and gentlemen. Fifth thing that we talked about in relationships, the value of any relationship can be determined by its contribution to your victory. The greater the contribution, the greater the value. You need to make an assessment in life. What level of contribution to my victory is this relationship bringing? The higher the level of it, the more valuable it is. You'll value that relationship in a very high way. But that's the good news. The maybe not so good news is it also works on the other shoe. Check it out. This is also a gauge of your value to others. How much are you contributing to their victory? And then we ended up last time with number six. Check it out. Trust is the foundation of all relationships. Violate the trust and you violate that relationship. Church, please how many words still mean something to you? Man, if I give you my word, it means something to me. In 13 years of being your pastor, I have never, ever, ever forsaken my word when it comes to what we've said from behind this pulpit. I have kept my word to you for 13 going on 14 years every single time. Because my word means something to me. Watch a lot of pastors, and I've seen it now over these last 13 or 14 years. They'll be right in the middle of a building program, one that they said God initiated, and they'll leave. I got no respect for that whatsoever. You got to keep your word. How many know if I can't trust you at all points, I can't trust you at any point? Thank you for your enthusiasm. How many know we ought to love quickly but trust slowly? We need to be men and women of God that keep our word, men and women of God. We, listen, I know things happen. If folks, you get a flat tire, you can't help it. I get that. Everybody gets that. God gets that. But how many know we need to be people that can be trusted? This woman, when she's gone for the four or five days, I promise you, she never sweated once. Gee, I wonder how many times pastor's going to commit it because she calls me pastor. I wonder how many times pastor's going to commit adultery while I'm gone. Never crossed her mind because in 25 years I have been loyal to this girl in every which way. Come on. That's, that's still important. Now, if you've been disloyal, if you've been mistrusted, no condemnation to you. You can't unring that bell. But what you got to do from this point on is be a man or woman that can be trusted. So important. How many are ready for new territory? Here we go. Let's jump into it. We're going to grow together relationally. We're going to get things aligned. I love this. Number seven, check it out. Boundaries protect, but walls disconnect. Ever say walls disconnect? 
you got to have that great balance in life. Boundaries protect, but walls disconnect. In the book of Leviticus, dear me, I'm quoting from Leviticus. In the book of Leviticus, there is agricultural advice that really is literal agricultural advice. That's not what we're talking about here. But we can take some principles from Leviticus, bring it into the new covenant, and apply it to our relationships. The advice agriculturally was whenever you build a vineyard, allow yourself some boundaries around that vineyard. Allow yourself uh, a little bit of margin around that vineyard. Don't build that vineyard all the way up to the edges. Because if you do, you don't leave enough room for the poor. And God's advice was always give yourself some boundary so that you can live off of this, but you can give away that. Now listen to me very closely, relationally. It's important that we have those boundaries. And I watch a lot of moms and dads. Now don't you be mad at me. You listen to your pastor. I'm going to help you here. I watch a lot of moms and dads. And because of your kids, you have become glorified taxi cab drivers. Thank you for your enthusiasm. And what you've done is you've neglected your marriage in favor of your children. Not understanding that the best gift that you can give your kids is a wonderful and strong marriage. Kids, listen to me now. We love our kids. I love my kid. I know you love your kid. But God designed Mark chapter 10, 7 through 9 for kids to eventually leave and then come back. God designed it for them to leave for this cause, the cause of marriage. Shall a man and a wife cleave to one another, leave mother and father, and cleave to one another? Everybody say, leave and cleave. Eventually, your kids are designed to leave, but the spouses are designed to cleave. And if you've got no margin and your life is simply wall to wall, driving your kids to another sporting event, you are missing God's best. And you're robbing your children of a wonderful marriage, and that's the best gift that you can give your kids. Well, now that's my financial retirement plan you're talking because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm depending on my kid to become a major, major professional athlete and then take care of me when I'm retired. So, you know, that's my plan. <laughs> Boundaries protect. It's important that we have boundaries, relational boundaries in our life. My wife and I, our day off is Monday. You know, we, we, we minister on Saturday and Sunday and are honored to do so. But our family day is Monday, and we protect it, we protect it, we protect it. And the reason that we do is because we've created those boundaries. Why do you think we have such a good family? It's not that we have a perfect family. We don't walk on water. we got to work at it just like you do. But we've got a really strong marriage. I love this girl. Uh, yesterday at the, at the service, you know, because I hadn't seen her, she came into the airport. Uh, Saturday, you know, we got me and John were there waiting. We had a little sign. I know, welcome home, mom. It was kind of a dopey sign, but we didn't care because we don't care what people think. We love our mom or wife slash mom. We didn't get rid of a big old sign, and, and she, she was from a distance. She saw us, you know, and she saw and she waved it like this, and we're waving with the sign, and a lot of people thought we were weird, and she came running up to it, and she started crying. I know. <laughs> she, she missed her little Jimmy. <laughs> and 
And we're here at Praise and Worship right now for Praise and Worship where we're grabbing each other's hand, we're hugging each other, and, and my pastoral attendant, uh, John Down, says, you guys need to get a room, go away. <laughs> we're glad to see one another. I love this girl. We protect our personal life because if all of this breaks down, then this breaks down. And it's not just what pastors need to do it. Everybody in the house needs to do it. Have yourself some boundaries because they protect. But now, conversely, walls disconnect. I'm not talking about putting boundaries over your heart. And a lot of people do that. They put boundaries over their heart, and then they wall out everything that's God. Now, I'm gonna, let me give you two wall workings because this is not what we want. Walls will disconnect you from having right relationships. Check it out. I talk about this all the time. Number one, when you wall off your heart to protect yourself, and a lot of people do that because they've been hurt, the same people who can't hurt you also cannot help you. So, I mean, I know what you're trying to do. I know you're trying to protect yourselves from being hurt again, but the same folks that can't hurt you can't help you. Second thing you need to know about putting up walls, because this is a big mistake, not only do you wall your hurt out, but you also wall your gifts in. Do you realize that you have a gift on the inside of you from God? My wife gets that, and about two other people get that. Everybody, listen to me, everybody in the house has a God-given gift. Right away you think, well, I can't sing. Well, we know that, Pastor Dave. But Pastor Dave Hunt does have a gift. He has the ability from God to be a phenomenal executive pastor. He can administer it. He can, he can execute. I mean, if you don't act right, he'll execute you. It's a gift. Listen to me. Everybody has a gift. Everybody in the house has a gift. And if you wall off your heart, you, yeah, you wall the hurt out, but you also wall the gift in. And there are people sitting next to you right now that are hurting. And they need the gift that God has placed on the inside of you. Don't wall off your heart. Please, keep that heart tender. Well, pastor, yeah, but if I keep it tender, I, I, I might get hurt again. Yeah, can I tell you something? Not might, you will. But in order to live your life how God wants us to live it, we've got to make ourselves vulnerable. Now, listen to me closely. Not stupid, vulnerable. Trust in increments. Love quickly, trust slowly, but at some point you do have to give your heart away. I've given my heart away to God. I have a tender heart towards him. You can be a man's man and still have a tender heart. I have four grunts from four Neanderthals right there. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, you need to have a tender heart towards God, towards your spouse, towards your kids. I mean, I tell my kid all the time I love him. I tell my wife all the time I love you. And I'm not ashamed of that, and I don't care what you guys think. It's half of you all that care what all these other dudes think. They're not going to be at your funeral crying. I don't care to open my door, uh, the car door for my wife. I don't care that she opens it for me. <laughs> and this is a holy crowd today. The Saturday crowd was having fun. Come on now. Work with me. Number, number eight, check it out. Learn to keep your well from being poisoned. Everybody has what I call a well on the inside. That's your heart. And it's so imperative. All these go hand in hand. Me and Philip, we like, you got to keep your well from being poisoned. This is huge, and I, I love it. Now, well, I'm going to take you to a number of verses here. Psalms 55, we're going to look at some verses here that's going to help you a lot. 
I've got to, you've got to keep your well from being poisoned. I watch a lot of people, they get hurt, and then they allow their inside to get poisoned. And here's exactly what King David talked about. Check it out. For it was not an enemy that reproached me. Then I could have borne it. In other words, man, if this guy that betrayed me was my enemy, no sweat. I could take that. This guy hates my guts. But watch what David said. Neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me. Then I would have hid myself from him. But it was thou, a man mine equal, my guide. This is talking about someone that was his counselor, somebody that gave him intimate counsel in the Lord. Uh, my uh, acquaintance. We took, and that's talking about in his inner circle in the Hebrew language. We took sweet counsel together and walked in the house of God in company. Can I tell you what that means in everyday language? The guy that betrayed me was not my enemy. He was my dear friend. He was in my inner circle. We went to Joy Church together every single weekend. And that's what made it hurt so bad. And notice his response. Check it out. He hath put forth his hands against such as be at peace with him. In other words, man, I was totally loving on him. I never gave him really cause to be mad at me. He hath broken his covenant. He said one thing and did another. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. He was a flatterer. How many know flattery takes, but encouragement gives? Big difference, huge difference. His words were softer than oil, yet were they drawn swords. And here's David's advice. At some point, I can't let my well be poisoned. I've got to cast my burden upon the Lord. That word cast in the Hebrew language means to slam to the mat like you would a wrestler. When I was in high school, I used to wrestle, and I get that completely. At some point, you've got to slam that to the mat. You've got to, that hurt, that bitterness, you've got to slam it to the mat, and you've got to say, no more. God will sustain me. I am not going to allow my well to be poisoned. Amen. Now, listen, church. Thank you again for that golf clap. That was a blessing. Listen, church, please. This is huge. And I'm going to talk to, 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 from a pastoral standpoint. I watch a lot of pastors, and they allow their well to be poisoned. You, you, ever, you ever hear a pastor, and they preach angry? All the time. I mean, they're all the time angry. They preach to the empty seats and not the full ones. I mean, they can have 98% full seats and 2% empty, but they're preaching to the empty ones. And the reason that most pastors preach angry is because they have allowed their will to be poisoned. And I've seen it over and over and over again. Now, listen, I'll speak the truth to you. You know I will, but I'll do it in love. I'll challenge you. You know I will, but I'll do it in love. I don't preach to the empty seats. I preach to the full ones. You guys are here. I learned a long time ago, I'm going to do everything I can, Proverbs 4, 23. I'm going to guard my heart with all diligence because out of it flow the issues of life. I'm going to guard my heart. I'm going to guard my will, and I'm not going to allow hurt to get in here. I'm not going to allow that bitterness to get in here. I'm not going to allow my will to be poisoned, and neither should you. Well, you know, that person at Joy Church, they hurt me. And I can't come back to the place where I've been fed, the place where I know God's called me, the place where it is my church, because if I see that person, it bothers me. Wait a minute. Your well is poisoned. At some point, you got to just say, you know what? I'm coming anyway. 
and I'm going to do whatever I got to do, and I'm gonna, if, I gotta, if I see that person, I'm going to hug them by faith. Now, this, I'm not mad at this person. I love this person. <laughs> I'm going to hug them by faith, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it by faith. And, I, you know, I might hit them in the ribs while no one is looking, but I'm going to still hug them. Is anybody in the house? Do you remember in the 17 and 1800s? I know Pastor Dave was telling me about this. In the seven, <laughs> 17 and 1800s, uh, you know, they used to have wells, and that's how they would get their supply of water, of course. And when they first originally had wells and dug wells, you know, they didn't have those edifices around them. It was just a hole in the ground where you just got the water out. But what would invariably happen is that animals would come by, and they'd fall in accidentally, the farmer or whatever wouldn't know that the animals fell in. The animals' carcasses would rot, and all of the bacteria would get in the water, and it would contaminate the well. And then they think they're drawing out fresh water, but it's all contaminated. It would poison them and kill them. I remember uh, hearing about a story where literally six farm families from all around a certain county all died. The whole families, and there were huge families, all died, and they traced it back to a well where a pig had fallen in, contaminated the water, and everybody died. There is a spiritual truth in that, folks. If you allow that hurt to get in you, it's going to contaminate you and those that are around you, and you'll begin to die spiritually. You've got to, I've got to protect my well. That's powerful truth. Number nine, and this goes hand in hand, check it out. You can only be truly hurt by those that you love. It's just a spiritual fact. How many know if from time to time love hurts? Isn't that true? You don't believe that? Check it out. Hey, Chad. Whoa, what happened to your face? Oh, that? Yeah. So I bought my wife a mood ring. When she's in a good mood, the ring turns blue. When she's in a bad mood, she leaves a red ring on my face. And remember this life point because David understood this very, very clearly. This is huge. Check it out. Your vulnerable relationships are your valuable relationships. David wasn't hurt by somebody that was his enemy. David was hurt by somebody that he was vulnerable to. That's huge. You say, well, I know the trick then, Pastor. I'm not going to allow myself to be hurt, so I will not allow myself to be vulnerable to anybody. Big mistake. You're walling off your heart. We talked about it earlier. Your valuable relationships are your vulnerable relationships. Tenth thing that you need to know about relationships. Anybody learning anything in the house? I, had, I can't tell you how many people I had yesterday come to me crying because they're learning things relationally. We don't even know what functional relationships are anymore. There are people in the house that have never seen a good marriage, therefore it's very difficult for you to emulate one. I'm telling you how to get your life aligned. This is huge. Number 10, betrayal is something that someone does to you. But bitterness is something that you do to yourself. I can't, you can't help what someone else does. If someone's going to be a Judas, they're going to be a Judas. I mean, no, if you betray Jesus, you're just a dipstick. <laughs> I mean, come on. Jesus was the kindest, most loving, most awesome, wonderful person in the world. Spoke the truth, but he was the best. And yet he found himself betrayed. How many know you cannot 
help what Judas does to you. You can't. You didn't remember that when they were taking their last supper? Remember? And remember, uh, they said, the one who dips the bread into the sop is the one that's going to betray me. And, 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 and they all were going, is it me? Is it me? Is it me? Is it me? And Jesus said to Judas, that which thou doest, go and do quickly. He knew what he was going to do. But notice he didn't try to stop him. He's not, Judas, don't do that. Now, come on, you know I've been loving on you. I'm the man. I'm the man with the capital M. I turned the water to wine. I made the fishes. I made the loaves. Captain D's for everybody, and you're going to betray me? He didn't do that at all. He knew that you can't stop somebody from betraying you. That's what someone does to you. But bitterness is what you do to yourself. At some point, I've got to own my own bitterness. Yeah, that guy betrayed me. But that doesn't mean that I have to get bitter. That means this life point is applicable. Don't get bitter. Get better. better. I decided that a long time ago. I'm not going to get bitter. I'm going to get better. This is not going to be my tombstone. This is going to be my stepping stone. This is not going to be my setback. This is going to be my comeback. Eleventh thing that you need to know about relationships is this helping anybody in the house. Never, and I said this in a recent series, but this is so powerful. Never try to collect from those who don't owe you. And I watch people doing that relationally all the time. What do you, what do you, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, maybe you've been married to some turkey and they betrayed you. Maybe they committed adultery on you, whatever. You got a divorce. And now, now God's brought you this new spouse. And this new spouse is a wonderful Christian person. And, and they're, you, they're great and they're nice and they're treating you well. But you're trying to collect from your new spouse what your ex owes you. Now all men are bad. You're trying to collect from every man what that one turkey did to you. I better move over here. I don't care where it's safe. There's some serious meanness going on over there, I can tell you right now. How, how many understand that? You listen, listen, listen. Your new spouse is not your ex. Your ex was a jerk, but your new guy or gal, God brought him to you. Someone's ex is a jerk back there. Yeah. Now you're preaching my language. Huh? That's good preaching, Pastor. <laughs> I get that. I know that. We, she gets that. But I want you to know your new spouse is not him, is not her. Uh, some of you have been hurt in churches before. Don't woo. Don't woo right there. Don't woo. Don't woo. <laughs> you've been hurt in churches before, and you've been hurt by pastors. And so now here you come, and you're coming with your little hurt, your little baggage of hurt that you're carrying with you, and now you're trying to collect from me what your other pastor did to you. <laughs> Can I tell you something? Your other pastor was a jerk. Now go ahead and woo. Yeah, right on, right. But I'm not him. I'm funnier than him. Way funnier. I have these boat shoes he doesn't have. <laughs> I, don't want, I want you to know that. I'm not him. I'm not perfect. No such thing. No such thing as a perfect pastor. You got to know that. One perfect pastor, Pastor Jay Christ. Pastor's the first church of heaven. Would you like to go there early? 
Listen, listen, 31 years of ministry. I've been doing this a long time, long time. And do, do you think in 31 years I, I have been hurt in 31 years of ministry by people in the congregation? Of course I have. I'm going to tell you right now, wolves, boy, they'll just, they'll just bite right into you. But sheep, they'll try to gum you to death. <laughs> Nothing worse than trying to be gummed to death by a sheep. That's just not, and I've been hurt in church before. No question about it. But now listen, I just went around and greeted a whole bunch of guests. They're here for the very first time. And I'm I, there's a couple of wonderful guests right there, on, right here. And I didn't just meet them and go, okay, now, when are you dudes going to try to hurt me? Huh? My name's Jim. I've been gummed before by sheep. Never crossed my mind. Never crossed my mind. Never once crossed my mind. I'm just so glad that they're here. We're honored to have you. My pleasure. Yeah, but Pat, I don't ever try to collect from them what they don't owe me. Yeah, but Pastor, things have got to be made fair. That is just not right. I've been hurt. I've been betrayed. I get that. Things do need to be made fair. I agree with you there. And I want you to know there's somebody that made things fair. And I committed a whole lot of unfairness towards him, but yet he died with all of my unfairness. Not that you did, but that I did. And now he turns around and tells us, Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven us. Jesus took all of the debt and now I'm free to love again. Amen. Twelfth thing that you need to know about relationships and we're going to close with this. And then everybody, please stay steady because we've got some important things. I'm, all, I'm early. This is great. Twelve things. You, I hear people going, yeah, but you're just on 12, Pastor. I know how you do. You say you're early now, but you can go a long way in one point. All right, hold on now. Number 12, learning to accept another's limitations is key to successful long-term relationships. Now, what, what, what do you mean by that? This, this is huge. I'm not telling you that we all shouldn't go to a higher level together. I'm your pastor, coaches, whatever. They're mentors of people trying to help you to a higher level. How many know we all should grow? So we're not stuck right where we are. We're all growing. But I'm talking about the long-term relationships that we have. At some point, I've got to learn to accept their limitations. Not that we're not growing, not that he's not working on it, she's not working on it, whatever. But there are certain things that we're just not hardwired to do. Let me explain. I am not mechanical at all. Not at all. And if you grew up, if you're not, and Miss Ann's dad, not really, but if you go, let's say you're a woman in here, and you grew up and your dad was a handyman. And we got a lot of handymen in here, man, they can fix anything. You know, we got Chase Fleming, you know, he's 18, 19 years old, whatever. He can fix anything. Man, I don't have that gift. I have the gift of fixing people. That's my gift. Uh, to giving you the word of God and fixing people. But I cannot, I mean, as far as cars or whatever, I can find the tire. I'm finding the steering wheel, and I even that, need that pointed out right there. 
how, how many of that way? Just you can't fix squat. I can't. I mean, I'm just not mechanically inclined. My, my, my VCR is still blinking 12 at home. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I can't fix squat mechanically. And if you grew up with one of these handy men dads, you know, they could fix anything, and you, and, you, and you married somebody that can't fix squat, and you keep bringing all your toasters and all this to your husband going, here you go, daddy did it. He's just going to look at you and go, I can't do that, baby. And at some point, you've got to accept his limitations. He's not hardwired to do that. I have been trying. Miss Paula has been trying to get Pastor Dave to sing for lo these. But at some point, Miss Paula, you're just going to have to give it up. He's not gifted by God to sing ever. His mom, his mom and dad, every time, his mom and dad go here to this church, every time I talk like that, they're the laughing the hardest. Let me talk to you about three limitation lessons that are very important that we get this. If we're going to have long-term aligned, strong relationships, you're going, to have to, you're going to have to at some point get this. Number one, check it out. You must love someone for what they are, not what they aren't. If you're going to be in a long-term relationship with them, well, you know, I need you to be this, I need you to be that. Listen, if you need everybody to be the, all of that, don't marry them because they're not. And by, while I'm at it, you're not all that in a bag of chips either. <laughs> you got to love somebody for what they are, not what they aren't. Right. Well, pastor, you know, I came from a church where the preacher just sang the whole message, and I love that. The whole time it was, hey-ha, mm-ha, First of all, <laughs> your, your, your pastor wasn't singing. He just had a hairball. You're just trying to get it out every Sunday. Listen, listen, that ain't me. That, you can't try to make me something I'm not. God didn't, God didn't wire me that way. I could do that, but I, that's not me. We're here to teach you the word of God. Thank you for your enthusiasm. You got to accept me, limitations and all. And again, I'm, it's not that I'm not trying to get better at things, just like you're not trying to get better at things. But there's certain things we're just not gifted at. We need to work on our character. But when it comes to our gifts, you either got a gift from God or you don't. I'm not mechanically inclined. I go down to the community college and take a lesson on auto mechanics, and I can go from a zero to a two out of ten. But I'm never going to be eight, nine, or ten. So I'm wasting my time. So what I do is I focus on, as far as my giftings are concerned, I focus on my strength. As far as my character is concerned, I focus on my weakness, and so, do, so should you. Second thing that we need to talk about is never try to download from another what they're not hardwired to give you. Relationally, you will only frustrate yourself and them. I say this all the time and always freak people out when I say it. Miss Ann, my wife, does not make me happy. All the guests always say, oh, and I heard people over there right there go, oh. Now listen to me. I didn't say we weren't happily married. I said she doesn't make me happy. Can I tell you what makes me happy is my relationship with the Lord. Can I tell you what makes her happy is her relationship with the Lord and my kisses. (laughs) 
I do lip ups at home. <laughs> 50 a day, man. 50 a day. Write that down. Write that down. What makes her happy is her relationship with the Lord. Therefore, when we come together, I'm not trying to download from her happiness because God never hardwired another human being to give you happiness. You have a hole in your heart that can only be filled by God Almighty, not another person. And if you're going into a marriage relationship to get happy, you're going in as a taker. And now you're going in in a losing position. Well, I'm going to be happy when I get married. No, 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 no. He or her will not make you happy, not long term. There'll be emotions at first, but not long term. Only your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ will make you happy. And then when that's there, a threefold cord's not easily broken. Then and only then can you be happily married. Association really does give you motivation for your destination. Guys, as we align our relationships with the things of God, I can tell you, your life will go from dysfunctional to quite awesomely functional.